Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 8 of Beyond the Eclipse. Uh, my name is Aethor, and I'm the voice of Squash and Gref, and with me I have uh, Volanda. Hello. Uh, Volanda is the DM of The Lucky Die, as you most likely know. I'm not sure how I you ended up here not knowing You that. should know at this point. I, I, I speak probably 50% of the time. <laughs> You're a pretty dominant <laughs> voice, a pretty prominent voice. I, uh, I am the world. Uh, uh, the, the world speaks through me. I guess that's that's why. Um, so yeah, episode eight, uh, doing episode eight of Discora. Yeah. Uh, episode eight is called The Key to Success. It's Keys to uh, Success, I think. Oh, oh, I may have misspelled it when I was writing it out. <laughs> um and I want to start the episode by reading the oh, no. opening spiel by V, which I, I think it. I forgot last episode. Yes, you did, but I hate it. So, Carry on. episode eight. Welcome back, companions, to the Lucky Die. Previously, Balance gets help from a friend, Raljak broke the leg of a spider hitting him, and Sultana became a dwarven shout po- shot pout. Shot put. Shot put? Shot put, what's that? A shot put oh, is okay, a small be- metal ball that you lob forward, and it's uh, an Olympic sport. Uh, okay, I get it. Yeah. After seeing visions of black and white being shattered, the group found themselves envel- enveloped in a soft blue light. What did these strange visions mean? What will this strange blue light herald? And is today the day to resemble the light and save the future? Reassemble the light and save the future? I guess we're about to find out. Welcome back to the lucky die. All right, I need uh, to address something right now. What the fuck uh-huh. is that voice? <laughs> Oh, that's my soft-spoken British voice. This is my fake V voice. That's just terrible. I sound nothing like that. 
Well, how would you know? We all sound different to ourselves. Just, and you've never not, heard a recording of not, yourself. I, yeah, never heard a recording of myself. No, I don't QC this on nothing. No. Never ever. Never ever. <laughs> you, sound, uh, you sound like Squash's like, ancient grandma like trying to read Squash's story. Like, oh, and so we reassemble the light. I'm like, God fucking damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was an intro. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, uh, at the end of the last episode, we had a premonition that was uh, pretty solid. Like, set up a, a good good number of things coming up. Uh, so now we are on to... We're on to episode eight, where I think the starting of the episode is them basically just pushing open the door and walking in. Pretty much. They're kind of in that, like, really entrance doorway. Like, I personally imagine, like, a huge vault door, uh, like, to a, to a bank vault. And it's like, massive and big, and they have to push it open or pull it open, and then they're inside, and then it closes behind them. Um, so that's what I imagine when they're in there. But, yeah, the majority of this episode is, at least the start of this episode, is them deciding to walk inside. <laughs> yes, there's a, there's a little bit of um unsuredness in the group yeah. you know, some people are more afraid for their lives other people's just want to go home uh-huh. they just want to leave i think they sound like uh, the same person i think we're both talking about Ralph. both of those statements yes, <laughs> yes. I, I i absolutely adore how skittish Ral is in yes, these early episodes he just wants to go home Aww. But unfortunately for Raul, he has uh, two players who are not going to walk away from the plot with him. <laughs> was uh, the phrase that uh, Neil started using was, uh, sorry, Raul started using was the brave adventurers and I started using that everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I noticed that Neil had also started putting that into uh, the episode descriptions at this point. The brave adventurers do this, the brave adventurers and Raul uh-huh. do that. So the running the running gag for like the first like 30 episode descriptions is like the adventurers, so yeah, the, um, the adventurers and Ral. Um, so that's, the Brave Adventures in Ral. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. I love it. <laughs> well, no, uh, started. Yes. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> so they walk in there uh, and um, they get introduced to a c- scene. Um, mm-hmm. They have a bowl with a carving on it. They have a fountain and they have two spooky statues, but they don't look statuesque, really. They look kind of real. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's like a really big antechamber, and I wanted it to feel like, um, like uh, I don't go to church often. I went to church a couple of times as a kid, and then they were like, mm, "Nah, it's not for me." Um, and there were like pews everywhere, and there was all these like pretty statues around, and like there were really scar- carvings in the wall. Um, and I wanted it to be like that, but this is D and D, so I didn't want there to be like an official altar at the end because also it didn't fit with the context of what this area is. I was like, "Ah, fuck! I'll stick a ten foot skeleton and uh, and a bear." <laughs> Sounds yeah, great. Right. <laughs> Zombie bear, I guess. <laughs> Undead bears, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, we have um, uh, a weird little interaction between Casey and uh, Balance. Uh, Casey and Balance. Uh, uh, Sultana Balance and, and Balance. Sultana, yep. or Arch and Casey. Um, <laughs> where uh, Casey says uh, something along the lines that they want to steal the bear's coat. And Ral says something, I think, was, uh, I'm just afraid it's going to come alive. And Casey <laughs> replies, I ain't afraid of no bear. And Balance says... Um, uh, um, it's prob- it would be undead at this point. I ain't afraid of no undead bear. <laughs> I'm so sad nobody said, what, what if it was a ghost? Because that would have finished the fucking joke. I, uh, I genuinely I listened to it. I was like, 
uh, what, what see, the fuckers? See, see, this is why we needed the fourth when we started. Because <laughs> you could have added that in. <laughs> ah, no, I'm, I'm much more clever afterwards. I listen back to some of the episodes That's and I'm true. like, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say that? Yeah. Uh, but alas, yeah. you're very much in your head when you're playing. Yeah, very much so. Um, but I'm going to say, like, Casey, Arch, Neil, they're just on effing point this episode. Uh, I, I think this is the beginning of a new recording session, and everyone was mm. just on one, and it was great. <laughs> Everybody's fresh. You can yes, tell that everybody yeah. is fresh. It's that uh, fresh recording, fresh game um, um, energy to it, and they're just so on point, and it's so funny. Um, yeah, this was this was a good... And then they uh, they proceed to like inspect the altar and the pews and things around. And uh, Casey rolls a pretty good roll on their religion check. Yes. Which means that you got to info dump a bunch of tenses. Yeah. So uh, I went back to my notes on this because my notes on this section, on this, this and episode nine, because they're so very closely related. Um, and because things in this room and the things for the trials coming up for them before they even get to um, the mirror room, they're so linked together um so we have um i managed to do info dump on one of the gods tempus um mm-hmm. tempus is a war god um, their symbol is a flaming sword so i knew that um that the tempus would have a key somewhere in this room and it had to be related to like something in that uh, domain um mm-hmm. i knew that there was going to be a room past guardian or i just called him skeleton king in my notes as i read back and damn i wish i'd done that um <laughs> that would have been way better than guardian well skeleton I, king. I also have a thing about that but we'll come back to that back when we get I, to it I, we need to make a definitive edition of the lucky die no. the, the, the director's edition no where we this is the director's them. edition <laughs> Um, yeah, so I knew that there had to be a god, uh, that god would have a key, that key would relate to a room, that room would relate to a task, and that task would relate to a coin. So all these like five points had to be very carefully monitored. So my notes had to be fucking spot on for this. So in my notes, I literally have like um, skull key, um, desk with this kind of a trap, um, room with this kind of a task related to the god, and then the item that comes out of it. So I had to have it all broken up. And that's how my notes are structured. Uh, for this section and the following episode, I'm just running off of three massive paragraphs, um, which just breaks down like those bits. Um, so yeah, like, we have in here um, before we my prep for this was all right. I know that there was going to be a thing. I'd already known that Savras was going to be involved in this jazz because that was important. Um, so Savras would be involved somehow, but I couldn't make him fit into any decent tasks that weren't like I'm going to tell you your future, boy. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. So <laughs> that's why um, Claus and Guardian are there. They're Savras's gift to this situation. I was like, okay, I've got this. Now I need to put together the gods that were essential or a part of how Monarch and how Kells got broken into um, different pieces. I'm like, okay, then I want to give myself um, a war god because that makes sense. I want to give myself a death uh, deity because that also makes sense. And damn it, rule of three. Fuck it. Uh, nature, wild. Oh, even better. Wild nature. Fuck yes, this makes sense. Um, so I I had to figure out those three gods. So I ended up going with um, Sylvanas, which is supposed to be a male god of uh, the elven male god of wild nature. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. fuck it. I'm making them female. Um, hence why one of the statues is what they are later on. Um, we had Tempus, mm-hmm. which is a short, angry fighter dude. And I thought, what's real well with Zoltana? Um, and then we have Mirkel. Um 
which comes up quite frequently in the end. And like, I know I kind of wanted a death god to be involved specifically because I knew the stuff coming up with Ra would mean that I would need a god of death or a deity of death or a goddess of death so that I could resurrect Ama. <laughs> um, so I kind of needed all that together. So that's why it all got squished in. So yeah, like the, the notes for this are, they're pretty pretty big paragraphs but all of them relate to those things and I was really happy that I managed to relay some of that information I was never going to yeah. give it all out I was never going to say here we have three gods um, not, mm-hmm. not 20 or no um, because some of this would be quite obscure and they wouldn't necessarily know most of this um, so yeah and then throughout the game or throughout this uh, particular episode kept asking different questions in different ways I'm like yes I can do more info dumps <laughs> yeah yeah uh- they were very good at like poking yeah. you for information this episode, and sometimes you played balls, not always. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I think they were doing pretty well. Uh, I have one question about the antechamber. Yeah. Um, now, I was listening to this just earlier, and my attention span is um, fickle, let's say that. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, you described a statue, I think, of an, a female elf holding a slain male dwarf. Yep. Ooh. Do they interact with that again? Is that the one with the trap in it? Uh, that's the one with the one of the traps in them. Um, okay. So the short fighty dude is supposed to be Tempus, and I think the elven female was supposed to be Sylvanas, but um, that's not really quite how I was intending to use them, and it was kind of more supposed to be like over here on Discora. I'm remembering this now that I'm talking about it. Um, that over here on Discora, that the major factions involved were the elves and the dwarves. Um, some involvement from the el- um, sorry, some involvement from the gnomes, some involvement from halflings and humans, but not enough to be really like noteworthy. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I had an elf and a dwarf um, there. But there, yeah, she had pin pins in her hair, like hairpins, and they were just really sharp. Mm-hmm. And that was basically the the trap there um, to yeah. not do that. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go through it. Uh, They enter the room and they don't know it yet, but they're looking for keys. And as they start looking, the outside door closes. (laughs) In the the most lackluster way I've ever heard a door close, it just starts closing. And then it clicks. Yeah. And I was just sitting there like, was that door huge? Where's the kathump? Like, wh- well, I was I was impressed when I was listening back, like, oh, I didn't realize I did my own like sound effects. I'm amazing. Here <laughs> you are like well, shitting all over it. I'm like, I was well impressed I'd done that. <laughs> I'm sorry, click and kathump have very different meanings when it comes to doors. And I'm 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 going yes. to be uh, I'm not, I may not be the Lord of the Doors, but I am going to be pedantic about this. Uh-huh, fine, be pedantic. Uh, but that's the sound it made. Maybe, right. maybe Aethel, it's a magic door. <laughs> oh. uh, then it would have got whoosh. No, 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 no. no. And, and specifically sounds. When, and then click or clank, whatever sounds I made, they were they were good. I, I, I thought they were cool. Fuck you, Aethel. <laughs> yeah, you don't do sound effects anymore. I think probably because I mock you for them. Yes. Uh, no, that's not the only reason. I realized that later on, like, unless it was specifically adding to a moment, I didn't necessarily want to make all the sound effects. And Neil had decided pretty early, um, actually from one of our former podcasts we were on, that uh, sound effects for things like bow draws and like doors opening and like drinking, that's just too much to add in it- to be able to feasibly edit this in a decent amount of time. Um, and also... Yeah, no. Uh, it can sound good if people are dedicated to it and they do it a lot, but if they kind of do it half-assed like we, like I was making the sound effects, um, yeah, it doesn't sound as good. So it's more distracting. Mm. 
I've heard a podcast where they do that kind of stuff um, more casually than some of the bigger podcasts out there. And mm-hmm. I've always found that it's not bad. Like, just don't use the same door sound effect every time. <laughs> don't do the same. Different screams, please. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah. I've always enjoyed those. But I, I do recognize, like, the amount of effort that takes. Like, yeah. that is making a giant bank of uh, Foley sounds and yeah. picking and choosing. And, yeah, yeah, and that all adds additionally to the to the editing time. So it's not also just like, oh, um, I will drag and drop from here to here. Someone has to find those clips, find when they yeah. are in the episode, insert them, and yeah. then balance them into the sound mix. Uh, because yeah. you don't want everybody having, like, talking on the same frequency because that will just sound like trash in your ear. And adding in extra sound effects means a load of extra work with something's like it's three seconds of it's not worth like the extra like maybe hour of work like no (laughs) no hour may be overestimating it but yes it is genuinely like finding the sound effect plonk it in and QCing it is probably 15 minutes per sound effect and you don't realize it until you've done it yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, as somebody who has like uh, audio mixed little like videos I've made and like (laughs) added little sound effects and shit Mm -hmm. you're like yeah uh, oh this guy runs out of the room I want to have a store slamming sound effect now 20 minutes later how did it take me 20 minutes to find a good door slamming yep like uh, so yeah, Neil was like, "Nah, we're not, we're not doing that." And I'm like, "I'm on board. I'm okay with that." Um, but yeah, like after a while, I stopped doing sound effects. Um, I don't know, like the the nature of how we did stuff kind of changed, and we were all trying to feel our way through it. Like you can hear um, the players trying to feel their way through it, but I am too, like massively trying to mm-hmm. figure out like what does this group work well with? How do I have to push them? How do I pull them? How do I just, when do I just sit back and let them talk? And when do I interrupt them with plot? Because I'm bored. Um, And I'm also at this table. (laughs) Um, So yeah, like we're all trying to find our feet and I can hear it, especially in like the early episodes. Um, Yeah, probably between like episodes one and like seven or eight, to be honest, I still hear us trying to find our feet. Um, This is one of them. <laughs> uh, early, there's a lot more swearing early on. I think we've all like taken a real big step on that. I, I don't know. I still swear a fair bit. <laughs> you do, but in world, in characters, and yours, of course, depends on characters. Mm-hmm. Somebody like Bokram is going to swear a lot more than Taylor's. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I have more uh, like for characters now. <laughs> <laughs> I think the rest of the cast also swears a lot less. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we were younger. We were we were inexperienced. It was cool. It was cool to swear, <laughs> kid. Was, no, no, it's not. Please we were don't. so edgy. Um, <laughs> so edgy, Lord. Um, anyway, we were chatting yes. about this particular episode. Um, yeah, you were mocking so, um, my door opening the, abilities. The, the the door closes and Neil does a constitution saving throw because he's afraid of cl- enclosed spaces. Uh-huh. Now, um, I'm a I'm a big old dum dum. Has Neil's uh, Neil's uh, has Raul's uh claustrophobia been explored at all until uh, now it hadn't really um, it had come up when they went into the sewer but only mm-hmm. very lightly like uh i think he he rose for a um a, a nosebleed or something um which was mine and neil's code that he wanted to have his illness affect his character and have it show um so when mm-hmm. he was like oh Rao gets a nosebleed that was my cue without him saying i'm gonna roll a con save um to keep it kind of in in in, in sync and to not necessarily immediately yeah. give away to the others that he had a sickness um yeah so that was our code so whenever you hear that in the early episodes i think it's like the first 15 episodes before we actually touch on on the claustrophobia for him um it is our code of like i need to make him roll <laughs> 
<laughs> like that was that was our code until we like actually got into the con um the con um that was like our claustrophobia cue. So yeah, like until that we hadn't really come across it so much. Okay. Uh I think in my head I remember where the claustrophobia comes and it, when it's explained, but I'm not incorrect. It has been explored in story, right? Uh kind of, but I think it was just a let's roll. Um I don't think it really came up. Um we properly really okay. go into it. I think it's episode four. 13, 14, or 15, um, mm-hmm. something along those lines. I think when they're traveling down the... Uh, no, I think the other side of 20 is where they're traveling down the river um, and mm-hmm. they're sharing tales of misery and woe. Yeah. And I got to sit back for literally an entire session and do nothing other than respond to their their backstory things that they were making up on the fly. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is hard, but really fun because I now get to save all my prep for another day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So we'll we'll get to Raoul's claustrophobia when it comes up. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I was not wasn't misremembering and it does come up. It does, yeah. Uh all right. So uh we have Lafian uh rush a desk and start uh rattling every <laughs> single drawer that Lafian can get his hands on. Yeah, yeah. This is this is one of my one of my favorite favorite bits because it is one of those like I'm the best and then immediately someone rolls the opposite and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's it's heartbreaking. Rolled twenty was such a dick to arch, especially in the in the early days. Uh, now, like the the bonuses are much higher, it's a lot harder to fail. Um, but that yeah. comes with having higher levels, and as you would expect. But yeah, these. So uh, I believe that someone rolled an investigation or a perception or something, um, <laughs> and they looked around and saw that there were three places in this room that were glowing. I hadn't intended that. That's not in my notes. I just wanted to give them a. <laughs> hand when somebody said i want information i'm like i don't know what the fuck tv they glow uh, slightly nailed it nailed it mm-hmm. uh yeah so uh the glow seemed to be leading them to the keys uh yes. and the first one is in the desk uh Lafian, uh proceeds Lafian balance at this point proceeds to empty out every single ch- uh, drawer he can find uh mm-hmm. he finds a you you being cheeky as you are uh he gets a, a a black key and he's like oh this is interesting puts it in the pocket and like all right i'm gonna check out the rest of the drawers and you're like okay there's nothing in them oh i checked the bottom there's nothing there okay i check the other drawer there's nothing in it i check the bottom oh it's a false bottom oh i opened up there's nothing in there it was, it, you gen i could hear the like parrot mode of like stop it you've gotten what you needed from the desk stop clicking on it yeah um it, it kind of was i think at that point it's like i don't want to say no to checking this out but i don't know how many ways i can say you finished with the desk without breaking the meta of like you've you've checked the desk yes. there's nothing in it and even though i said that it was still wanting to check I'm like all right i just i have to do something i just need to make it really clear there's nothing in this desk <laughs> uh the case he throws in uh check the bottom of, uh, bottom of the false bottom to see if there's another false bottom yeah i think this is before before like inception the movie had come out so otherwise because I, <laughs> I i like listening back earlier i was like oh why didn't someone just call that an inception oh wait i don't think that had come out then um uh, yeah i have a feeling it had and i think it was already old at that point <laughs> it might have been really old it might have been that it hadn't fallen um, into any of our consciousness because like saying something has been in- inception like it was really big at the time and then disappeared but has just creeped back into our culture now um yeah. <laughs> so yeah i was like uh, uh. then we have um casey over checking out the statue and they find the key but they find that it's obviously booby trapped yeah and that's around the same time. Uh, no, it was before that that Raoul is kind of panicking and trying to figure out a way out. And he finds a door, and you like very co- coyly tell Raoul like, 
There's no keyhole. <laughs> and then Casey found another key, and I was laughing so hard inside myself because I could see, I could hear a Neil like blood pressure go up as he's like, "Motherfucker, there is no keyhole. Stop finding keys and go find keyholes." Like I can, I can tell that's what he's thinking. I, I it's think very entertaining. that interaction in the antechamber is is probably one of my favorites from the 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 early part of our show, um, because they're just having such fun, and Neil is having such fun being a chaos monster, and like I just want to leave. Uh, Arch is having a great time, just like leading the team and pushing them forward and exploring plot. And Casey's just on fucking point, and they're so fucking funny. Um, like the obvious witticism sticking very strongly to Zoltana's like religious vibe that they have going at the time, yeah, and then just like still nah fuck it I'm the lord of the doors I ain't scared of no one dead bed like Casey's just a wild force of their own um, but yeah the, like this little area I, I'd say I had a, like three paragraphs nothing was really written much about this room other than specific objects in here and, and obviously mm-hmm. Claws and Guardian um, like but other than that it really wasn't a lot of prep and I just let them go and they seemed to have so much fun and I enjoyed this a lot it was fun on the other side of the screen yeah, you can definitely tell that Casey is having fun uh, yes. in this session. Um, yes. They're very much, like you said earlier, on point. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we have uh, Balance uh, getting two vials out of our desk. Yes. Are these the vials these, that get referenced yeah, much, these much later? Yeah, these are the vials. And I, All right. they were put in there because they kept looking for shit. I'm like, I'm just going to give you something and I'll deal with the consequences later. Stop looking at the fucking desk. <laughs> So I have to ask, yeah. in this at this moment, you have been forced to give uh, Balance two vials. You have been forced to give Arch two vials. Well, I, I wasn't exactly forced, but I really wanted them to stop looking at the desk. Uh, I was going to, like, come on, no. Um, so yeah, like these vials came out of desperation. I didn't know what was in them. I was just going to yeah. figure it out later on. Yeah, and they come in uh, hard later on. Yeah, um, they do. Uh, how do you feel about it when you do stuff like that? You like... Um, you you make a carefully constructed scenario that comes up later and we start pulling out bullshit you didn't even remember you put down <laughs> to try to save ourselves out of these situations. Does Do you get like a, God damn it, past V, why did you give them this? Actually, actually rarely, um, because uh, I, I actually say in this episode, um, and, and it still holds true even now, um, you guys are my plot twists. Um, like I can drop as many plot twists and, and backstabbing and like, you know, glorious moments and like hoorays and tears. Like I can drop as many of those in much plot twisty ways as possible. You folks give that to me. So when Pass V has given you a vial, which, you know, an hour after writing it down, I carefully note in the region, grab D12s, do damage. Um, like... Future V will probably have forgotten that, but the the V that is at the table when Arch comes out with like the vial and throws it at people, I'm like, oh, this is genius. <laughs> this is great because it's also partly world building. And if you guys use something from that you've picked up that's overpowered or you're holding on to as a breaking case of emergency, then breaking case of emergency, yo, like fucking do it. Um, I'm I'm yeah. all on board for that stuff. So there's been very few times where I've described a minor detail or I ad lib something in and I truly regret it. Like there are very, very few of those. And there's so few I don't remember off the top of my head if there are any. I know I've had uh-huh. them. I know I've gone, why the fuck did I give you that? Whoa. Uh, actually, I think it might be coming up in episode 11 um, or episode 10. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's very there's very few of those where I give you stuff and I regret it. Um, mostly I'm like, no, it's usually one shot stuff or one, one use items and then fuck it. Like, 
we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, so we have um, Balance finding the vials and stealing all the things. We have yeah. um, Sultana finding a key and saying, fuck this, it's booby trap. Yep. And uh, Balance <laughs> tries to like distract Ral because Ral's freaking the fuck out. There's no yeah. keyhole. You fuckers keep finding more keys. <laughs> and you hear Arch just go like, ah, why don't you go over there and check out the, 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 the carvings? There might be something there. <laughs> and of course, that's the one that's like invisibly booby trapped yeah. and it fucking explodes in everybody's face. I was dying. I was. I was uh, like, just through that whole bit. Um, I hadn't decided exactly how the picture was going to work until he touched it. Um, hmm. It was either he was going to touch it and feel something, or he'd put his arm through it. And I honestly hadn't decided. I just wrote down picture with this stuff on is key in here. Um, this is the trap if you don't look for it. Um, so yeah, like I just yeah. At that moment when he put his arm through it, I'm like, I there's nothing else I can do, right? <laughs> like poor Al. <laughs> Uh, so you have it um, blind the, the you have them all roll constitutions mm-hmm. and see if it blinds them. Mm-hmm. Now you you ask the DM. Now I have to I have to po- pick your brain a little bit. Sure. You're sitting there. Everybody rolls and everybody rolls poorly. Uh-huh. You as the DM are sitting there, and you have three blind <laughs> characters, uh-huh. two of which have dark vision, <laughs> so it's a very rare occasion. Uh-huh. Did you not get that like? Maybe one of the spiders is in here. No. Like, did you not get that gut feeling of like, <laughs> no. something's going to attack you for No. Now. I'm sorry. No, I didn't. Um, like, it was just supposed to be basically just here. They're all just hindrances. Uh, if they had come into this room still pursued by spiders, they've been well and truly fucked. Um, mm-hmm. If they had come in and immediately st- uh, pissed off Guardian or Claws, they'd have been fucked. Um, mm-hmm. Like, there's just, there's those. Um, like, in combination with stuff, it could be really bad. Um, generally, just uh, using a trap to blind or deafen and not having a potential follow-up to that is bad. But if you accidentally have a bunch of monsters all in the same place or a bunch of traps all in the same place and they all happen to go off within the space of like six, seven, eight, ten seconds of each other, that is some interesting um, cascade of shit. Uh, I think yeah. that's the, uh, the phrase I'm, I'm massively... Um, uh, cas- uh, cock-up cascade. Um, cock-up cascade. Cock-up I was cascade. trying to think of it too. Yeah, that's, that's a, a major rip-off from uh, Yasuo Zero Punctuation. But that's basically yeah. what that is. Like, all these things mm-hmm. in conjunction together, if they had decided to do them all at the same time, um, the thing that I had planned for the desk would have gone off, the thing that would have gone off with... Um, Statues could have gone off. Um, the picture could have gone off at the same time. They could have been followed in by a spider if they hadn't killed them all. Claws and Guardian could have been agitated by their like um, general demeanor. All of that at once, adding in blinding, would have absolutely destroyed them and they'd all be dead. Um, mm-hmm. But because they did that calmly and methodically and one after another, it's not so bad. True, true. I guess that's uh, one of the things that like gives um, actual plays their kind of feeling, their heart, the hmm. beating heart of the actual play. It is that moment where the players are doing shit and it like random shit just happens. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to touch a painting. Bam, you're blind for one minute. It's like, okay, but we're not in battle. I'm just going to wait a minute. Yep. It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. wait, wait, was I, am I supposed to be under attack? Like, I feel like I've missed the step. And it's 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 something that if you saw in a TV show or a movie, you'd be like, this is bad writing. Yeah, this has this no point. Uh, this is- yeah, this didn't, uh, this didn't serve a function. And I think yeah. for movies and like that kind of stuff, you people expect that payoff. They expect that cock-up cascade. They expect that mm-hmm. build. And if it doesn't do anything, it doesn't add anything. But in yeah. an actual play, it adds to paranoia, which yeah. is great. <laughs> I've yeah, run a few. I, 
games based on the idea that the world is out to get you. And by the time I dropped my third thing, and that was the last thing I was going to do over the course of like four or five sessions, they were seeing their own threats and their own paranoia. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> like, I don't have to add this extra plot in. Just seeing your own like um, paranoia in it. And I just, I build into it. Like, um, so yeah, like, yeah, I think you're 100% right on that. Um, like, is there something gonna happen? Because there is that build up, and you feel it. And then when it nothing happens, great. Um, but yeah, in in conjunction with other stuff, that could have really hurt. Um, so I'm yeah. I'm glad that they hadn't pissed everybody off. Yeah. Uh, so after the the flash uh, eases off, they have an argument about destroying the pews. <laughs> um, oh, it's the best argument ever. <laughs> it's it's so dumb. It is so dumb. Uh, but yeah. Um, and then. Uh, the guardian speaks up. Yeah. Um, was there a specific trigger for the guardian, or was it just whenever you get bored of the scene? Um, it was mostly when they had gotten to most of the stuff. Um, so that's when when um guardian was going to activate, or if anyone got really into guardian's face, um, or mm. if they'd like you know started touching the bear, um, He's trying to steal his pelt. Yeah, trying to steal the pelt, the bear, trying to steal the bear. Um which is a question for purchasing later on apparently um yeah so i i just had that there um i had them being able to be activated for any any number of reasons and at this point mm -hmm. they'd done most of the stuff and i wanted them to be able to start figuring out what these keys are for and why they should find all of them yeah and at this point they're explaining to them that the keys make the future tasks easier yeah um do we want to go into that now or yeah, do we sure. want to leave that for next episode? Uh, nope, that's totally fine. Um, so my idea with the reason they had to have the keys is to open the door so that they could get and do all the things. Um, by having the keys, it meant that those rooms, when they turned into the functional rooms, would be available to them. Um, if they didn't mm. have the key, the things like the armory wouldn't be available, the um, meditation room slash temple rooms wouldn't be available, the barracks wouldn't be available. I wanted that if they had those keys, they'd have those facilities. If they went in with no keys, they'd open the door and then they'd still have to do the task because they need the coin for it. But if they didn't have the key, they wouldn't have access to the facilities afterwards. And it would be a very empty temple underneath and that wouldn't be the focus of where we are. Um, like it's be kind of become their their official unofficial headquarters, I guess. Um, other yeah. than the Shik Shack, which is the official headquarters. Um, so yeah, like if they didn't have that, this place wouldn't be a hub. Um, and I'd intended it to be a hub. And if they didn't pick up the keys and they didn't give them to Guardian, um, when Guardian asked for them, then they wouldn't have access to them. So that's what the keys are for. They never really seemed to consider the option of moving forward without the keys. Uh, yeah. Like I'm assuming that was like a sweat off your brow. Like, oh, phew, like, um, I had all these fun things planned <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> like they still have to do the task. So I, like my my prep time wasn't at all destroyed. It was never going to be lost. Um, but it was like, oh, okay. So you know, if they don't do it, then fine. They just don't have access to these things, and they'd have to make trips to the surface more often. So, or just not ever come back down here. Or, yeah, maybe leave the temple alone, you know? Yeah, the temple uh, would have been as it is, and Guardian would, Guardian and Claws would still be down there doing their, doing their thing and protecting the artifacts. Like, yeah. Now, we have Guardian speak up. Is this the first time we hear your voice being gargled? No, I, we have Monarch. Uh, we have Monarch, who's... Uh, there's a minor effect on Monarch. Um, but this is the first time that Neil went whole hog on fucking with my voice. And mm -hmm. it's a much better voice than Guardian, but... Because I don't listen back to my raw files, um, my local recordings, um, mm -hmm. I don't know what Guardian sounds like anymore. 
Yeah. I have yeah. no idea. However, Claws, I still know because Claws is just a bear. And Rah. I have a very stable bear related soundtrack in my brain. So I'm able to replicate Claws's like groans and, and cries. So it's really easy. Mm. But Guardian's really tough and so is Spectre because they were so heavily modulated. I have no idea where they started. And I could just go back and listen to the raw file, but that's such a mess of stuff. I'm like, I mm-hmm. don't want to do that. So, but yeah, this is the first time it's like heavily done. And I was, I was, I was laughing so hard when I'd heard what he'd done to uh, to Guardian and to Claws. I was I was dying. That was great. It reminds me of um, the voice actor for Gur from Invader Sim. Uh, he, like apparently, people make comments about the first season, the second season, that the voice sounds completely <laughs> different. Yeah, and they thought they replaced him and didn't actually change him in the uh, the the um, credits. And it turned out no, he had listened and watched the entire first season and forgotten the voice he did and the entire <laughs> modulation. He started emulating it, so his voice got even higher and weirder. That's hilarious. Um, uh, so I'm imagining that with you and yeah, Guardians. Yeah, that happens with a couple of characters actually, especially ones that are heavily modulated modulated um like um guardian i struggle i struggle a lot with spectre um i have no idea what his original voice sounds like and i don't even know if i get anywhere close to it these days um they're hard ones for me to do um characters that we haven't met in a long time or like one-off incidental characters i I don't know i don't for example remember what squash's parents sound like and we recorded episodes about them fairly recently and we recorded episodes about them fairly recently before that too and i I don't remember i don't honestly remember what they sound like um wouldn't be human to remember them all <laughs> like let's just be very fair yeah we have yeah. probably somewhere in the ballpark of a hundred speaking npcs in this world yes uh so Counting. looking through the patreon name list i've used 98 and i know that two oh. of those are non-speaking character roles okay um so yeah uh we have uh speaking of names we have uh <laughs> balance asking the guardian hey what's your name the guardian like uh i don't even remember my but <laughs> Buddy, uh, stop asking me difficult questions. I ain't got time for this. Um, were you in that moment like, shit? Um, yes. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I didn't have a name written down. I just had Skeleton King. And I'd gotten used to kind of this point of them never asking who anyone is called. And that is a pretty traditional role-playing thing is you just forget to ask somebody their name. You're like, oi, give me this information. Oh, wait, what was your name again? Um, like we do that a lot and that's also not supernatural but uh also when you meet someone for the first time you often just introduce yourself um but often folks don't we kind of forget especially in 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 rpgs so um yeah it was a case of guardian never had a name guardian's name was down the skeleton king um and that's Mm. that's the name i have down there and when i was running it i forgot to look at my notes so i forgot to say skeleton king i just said crap uh guardian nailed it nailed it me um and then claws claws was always claws claws is always Mm. in my nose claws that's simple enough. Yeah. Uh, all I can say is release the skeleton king cut. That's <laughs> really. Um, yeah, so uh, we have um, Guardian speak up. He explains the situation. Yeah. Uh, give me the keys and I'll make your tasks a little bit easier. Or that will simplify your easy It will make your future test. tasks easier. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. actually referring to the ones that immediately came afterwards. Uh, yeah, and uh, we have uh, Klaus Grunt. Uh, two or three times. Oh, um, I love claws. Um, but then we proceed to just uh find the like they they just rip the the key out of the statue eventually. <laughs> the uh, solution as you can hear- to that is genuinely genius. I'm like fuck. <laughs> 
they, they did good. They did it good. It was genuinely um, good. I'm like, all right, all right, I'm on this. Like, I know deck save, you can't actually like negate the damage down at all, but like, fuck it. This is this is genuinely genius. I mm-hmm. love it. Um, that was that was a good solve. Um, I'm glad they went back to get it. Like, it's good. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, you have uh, the entire room bully balance for getting fucked a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no bully balance. No bully balance. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, I want to talk about something that um, came up in the the when I was looking through the desk. Um, did okay. a really low investigation roll. Um, yes. Now there are kind of two different ways of approaching low rolls. Um, especially investigation roles or like insight roles or perception roles. One is the a low role means you don't know anything, you're not sure. And the other way to approach it is the DM can decide what you know at that level. Like a one could mean that I outright lie to you and tell you false information. And mm. the other side of that is like you have no idea. This is what you suspect, but your character also knows you don't know. Um, I personally... I don't mind if it's below 10 GMs lying to me. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But that's not how our table wanted to run. Our table specifically did not want to have um, nat uh, nat, nat 1s on combat to be dropping weapons and anything that leaves you in a bad situation because that sucks and why would you do that once every 20 times? Drop your goddamn sword. I don't know, guys. You strike a lot. Um, And I don't mind either, to be honest. Um... And then we also had the, like, like if we don't meet the DC, we don't get lied to, um, which makes it difficult when you're doing things like insight checks, um, when you're having characters deliberately lie to um, char- other characters, because if they roll low, they will almost always assume that, like, if they're telling the truth, it's an easy check. But if they're not telling the truth, it's a hard check. And if I didn't meet the DC, it means that they were lying. So there is a little bit of meta balance there. Um However, yeah. this was one example of where a low roll meant I couldn't lie about stuff. I couldn't give him false information. So I gave something real basic. Um, so I saw that in my notes before we started moving on to the other stuff. I actually would lo- love to touch down on this because this is something that I've um, I've had extensive conversations and I've tried to do it, but it's such extra work that I- I've never been able to like fully settle on settle on it. I have always, in the back of my head, wanted perception inside investigation roles, roles where the player doesn't really know if they succeeded or failed until you tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you tell them, it's not clear if they've succeeded or failed. I've always wanted those roles to be done behind the DM screen. And uh, some people may find that incredibly insane uh, or or like intrusive, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking the role it, it away takes, from the player. Yeah, it takes a little bit of agency away from the player. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's definitely something that if you're if you're playing with people and you're, you know, you have an ability to talk to them properly, even like a good session zero or just like it becomes house rules, like you could just say, hey, I want to roll a perception roll. And the GM is like, okay, I'm going to roll behind the screen. And then you agree that that's what happens. Um, Because obviously, you know your perception, but I can't tell you what the role was unless you know whether you passed or failed. Um, I think that's definitely, it comes down to each table's preference. And I'm kind of a fan of like Nat 1's fucking you over. Like that's just my personal fan. If you are going to run with Nat 20s do amazing game-breaking stuff on skill checks when they shouldn't, that's not the rules as written, it's not as rules intended either, um, then you should have an equal one for um, Nat 1s because that evens out the game. There is a lot of positives that stand on the side of the player and not quite so many on the side of the GM, which is why the GM breaks the rules, in my opinion, a little bit more often. (laughs) 
Yeah. But I think that uh, comes down to each table. Um, that's a discussion to have. And our discussion was that we don't have those kind of fuck-ups and low levels. Um, I try to make it clear when, like, hey, this is what your character thinks, but it's not the choice. It's not, it's not yeah. real. Um, just because then you as a player get to decide whether you want to use that information or not. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm such a, I'm a stickler for heroes. Uh, if I'm playing a hero, I don't want to drop my sword every 20 of that deck. Um, <laughs> but uh, I definitely, like, if I sit down session zero and the DM's like, oh, ones are drops, uh, I'd be like, can we stop that around t- level seven? Like, I feel that once, my, <laughs> once, once I'm shooting lightnings out of my fingertips, yeah. I shouldn't be dropping my knife. Like, yeah, it feels- I, I'm 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 on board with that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that's a that's a very good compromise. <laughs> Let, let's pick up a moment where our characters aren't like fuck ups anymore. Um, yeah, uh, but, yeah. Uh, like we have to have that hero level when we're like, all right, th- this isn't acceptable. We're not we're not one shot kills to goblins anymore. So, yeah. like, you, we you should will, not do this. <laughs> you will never see Aragon or Gimli drop their weapon because they hit like hit the <laughs> shield wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's not yeah. gonna happen. Uh, the, at, at certain levels, you are a hero, so you should not be doing that. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that's a fairly reasonable uh, compromise, I guess. Hmm. I'm not just thinking if there's an easy way to make a roll twenty whenever you click the perception investigation insight button to roll only to the DM so that the players don't I, actually I don't, see it. I don't know, and I don't think that's a thing. I know that you can roll specifically only to GMs or to whatever it is, <laughs> um, but I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, now I'm just considering like uh, if I were to run a game and I, this is something I would want to hide. <laughs> um, so I, I really want to run a horror game. Uh, and this is one of the things that I would just tell people session zero, like, I'm sorry, I will sometimes lie to you because the point of a horror game is to be unsure to not be 100% at all points. Like, yeah, unreliable y- narration stuff. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think playing horror games, if your team is up for it, then go ahead. Um, the only real well, difference yeah. is, is that when you don't do those things is that you just have to be a little smarter about what you're willing to do. Um, well, that ain't something I'm capable of. So, or or in in certain in certain cases, uh, talk so fast nobody knows which of the ones you're saying are lies, um, <laughs> and which one of the things are to be believed, um, and build up trust. Um, so yeah, there's there's ticks like especially if you're intending to have characters be like moles or working for the other side or actually just be mm-hmm. the big bad that's always around them, you have to build up that trust with them first, and that can backfire. Um, that yeah. can have the oh shit, uh, I do an aura reading. And and they're lying. I'm like, mm, I can't uh, have you around my character. Yeah, GTFO. <laughs> uh, just have to be smarter with it. It's it's magic, man. It's it's always magic that fucks you. Uh, yes. The, the the put your there's a reason why dungeons are in towers mm-hmm. argument. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> y- y- like it's a lot harder to cheese dungeons. Yes. Um. So I was kind of glad that we didn't have magic. Kind of. <laughs> Uh, he's kind of magic, kind of not magic with Lafian. Um, like if he can't be counterspelled, he also can't counterspell. Um, so I guess magic can truly fuck this team. Um, so I had that. I always had the like, I don't have to explain my magic away. I don't have to explain how this is working because nobody really has the chops to deal with it. And no one's going to cast magic breaking stuff that will absolutely destroy me. Yes, there are psionics and yes, they are kind of like magic, but not. Um, But even then, like, yeah, I can deal with it. It's fine. Um, I never have to explain like, what magical school does this come from? Like, I don't know, guys. (laughs) 
I was gonna say that is legitimately my biggest pet peeve when DMing. It's the uh, you see a faint magical aura around the cabinet. Oh, what school is it? And I'm like, I don't know. I know what spell this is like is being held here. I don't know the fucking school, buddy. Yep. I <sighs> And does it make a difference? It hmm. only narrows down a bunch of spells. <laughs> like, oh, yep. maybe it doesn't. So maybe I'll just tell you that this this kind of thing um, it holds some sort of fiery magic. Nailed it. Um, so yeah, that's because I just suck at those particular things. <laughs> there are two schools that you want to know. It's illusion and evocation, which is the damage spell. Group. Right. Okay. It's, yeah. yeah. It, those are the only two people need to know. Otherwise, it, it, it becomes so nebulous what the effect might possibly be. Oh, it's yep. uh, evocation. Necromantic uh, no, not- energy. Yeah. Like. A necromantic energy is coming from the Al- cabin. Alteration? And what's the alteration. other one? Conjuration. Where did this come from? What is in it? Is it in it or <laughs> oh, is it the thing? Like, yeah, like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it becomes so nebulous. <laughs> the only two you really need to know is illusion yep. and evocation. Anyway, that, that was that was the whole magic BS. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No problem, no problem. We'll definitely get back on the magic train at some point. We oh, need to yeah. talk about uh, uh, how easy life would have been if they just had a wizard or a sorceress <laughs> or a druid. Well, no, because the magic at this level is quite low and very limited. I think at this point they're only level two, maybe level three. Um, they're a very low level at this point. So magic access at that point is still very, very low. Um, and the damaging cantrips are no worse or no better than stabbing things with daggers, I think, um, yeah. like all in all. So like, the low levels magic isn't a massive detriment i don't think yeah it wouldn't have helped them a lot <laughs> um yeah uh yeah so in the story uh, back to the story um <laughs> it's not a lot left of it um it was a pretty simple but like straightforward episode uh they get the thrift key from the the graving the painting yep uh and it has like i genuinely recommend going back and listening to this episode just because of how on point casey is because casey grabs grabs their uh long sword their great sword yep. and starts poking it through the illusionary wall and then eventually <laughs> you ask how long how long is your sword and casey just goes like ah, i don't know it's, it's it's a sword it's big it's great and you say something like four feet three or five feet two or something like that yeah and casey, like, yeah. casey just goes it's longer than me. They sound <laughs> so hurt. They sound yeah. so genuinely like yeah. bothered by this. Like, what? How yep. could you? I would never walk around with a sword bigger than me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that. That was a, oh, that's a bloody funny. Yeah, but yeah, they, they they poke their sword into the wall and the key falls out. They grab the key and they present the keys to the guardian. Yep. And at that point, the guardian steps aside, I think. Uh, I think the guardian takes the keys and then steps aside, I think. Um, And then they get ready to enter the next area. Now, you have admitted this before. You do not have stats for the guardian or claws at this point. No, no. No. I went back through my Ah. notes. I don't have... Let me check. So I have my notes, like, because I say they were quite uh, intense, so I knew. Uh, This is a large skeleton, 10 feet tall, and a six foot tall undead bear yep that's it okay <laughs> uh his S- master is savaras he is awake because savaras is not 
that's the notes I have. Um, right. Yeah, that's it. Um, that, that's that's the whole notes I have for for Claws and Guardian. Okay, that kills a lot of questions. I just thought of uh, cool, cool. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing, um, especially like here at this point, um, and I still do it now because I, uh, I I remember prep better and I work better if I've done my prep like maybe an hour or two before we play. Um, mm-hmm. And at this point, I was always up to the line. Um, sometimes I've done prep like months ahead in advance just because they're big plot points and I'm thinking about them. But the minutia usually comes down to like you know within an hour of playtime or something like that. Um, I did that recently where I wrote a bunch of notes and I was ready to go and then de- recording got delayed and then it came back two weeks and I fucked everything up. Um, so I just, I, I, I don't know how to deal with this anymore. Um, but at this point, it was written down and I had in my mind, there is there is a skeleton, there is an undead bear, the undead bear is called Claws. Uh, they will activate when they get pissed off, annoyed, um, if they have all the keys or about to get all their keys, uh, you know, stuff like that. So a lot of this notes that I have down there are just reminding me of the notes that I had mentally prepared before we'd started playing so my notes are definitely not good enough to be used as modules or interactions for stuff like how how does this trap work i don't know they just remind me of the trap that i was going to have um it's like shorthand i like if i write out a paragraph and exactly how um the picture frame worked i would go insane trying to read it in the middle of talking because I'd throw myself off. Um, you can hear it whenever I write actual dialogue, I get thrown off reading it versus just improvising around it. Um, so yeah, so a lot of these just serve as reminders. That's that's kind of all that's really on there. <laughs> yeah. So, you, But the thing is, looking back at this, I now very much remember what was going on in my brain when I was doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have the answers, they're just not written down. <laughs> all right, then I guess the real first question I have is, who was the Guardian thousands of years ago? I don't know. Yeah, okay. That was I not didn't in know. Head. Yeah, I okay, didn't okay. know. I just wanted there to be a 10-foot skeleton king and he was going to be from Savaris. Like, that's and you decided if he was a druid and that's why he had a bear or what, did he have a bear just because you wanted to, there to be a zombie um, bear? I, I decided he was going to be a ranger. Ah, oh, yeah, ranger, not yeah. druid. Sorry. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, oh, we actually did skip past one note I have before we sign out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the first time the age of the Dragonborns is brought up. The fact that they are quite a young race. Possibly, yeah. Um, because I knew that the Skeleton King had come from Savaras 5,000 years mm-hmm. ago when they had put this together, when the gods had pulled this place apart and when the elves and the dwarves and all the other races had like built this area. Not that I knew at the time of writing that the dwarves had built the area. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but no, I just I decided that this was from then, so he would not recognize Raul at all. Like There'd be no mm-hmm. way he'd recognize a completely new race. Um, so yeah, this might be the very first time, I think. Um. I'm pretty sure we've gone into it a little bit. You decided that the Dragonborns were a young race because you didn't want them on the island? Uh, I on the main race? didn't want to play with them. I decided that the Dragonborn were going, like, their entire... Because uh, Neil come to me and said, hey, I want to play a Dragonborn. I'm like, all right, then I guess I'll have to properly flesh out their story rather than... Yep, they they fight against Marnak and Kells to make sure that they aren't total douchebags when they come back after they're reassigned. Great, perfect, moving on with my life. Uh, there's a dragon there because we have to have at least one dragon in this world. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. And then Neil was like, I want to be a dragonborn. I'm like, shit, I need to write stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of why there was more dragonborn information out there. Um, but yeah, like, that they're on that island because I didn't want to, and I think I mentioned this before, I, I kind of suck at this whole law Wizards of the Coast thing. I don't know much about it. I still don't know. I fuck a lot of shit up because I 
don't know, haven't read it, and I probably won't ever. Um, so for me, I'm like, all right, this is this is what the Dragonborn lore is. Yeah. So this is why these people wouldn't know shit. You hit a, a strange uh, button with me when it comes to your treatment of the lore, and it's um, it's my particular particular way of thinking that kind of like bumps against yours in this mm-hmm. case. And it is the um, I'm going to take something mostly fleshed out, something that I know vaguely about, and I'm going to take it and change it slightly so it fits my world. And I'm like, yes, please do. I love this. I love when people take stuff and make it their own. The problem that I have is I never know where your knowledge <laughs> of the thing ends and where your like improvisation starts or where your knowledge of the thing didn't end but you decided to improv around it because you didn't want to deal with whatever that that was Mm -hmm. so in the case of the the three um tier uh uh the three gods it's a tier the god of suffering oh tier ilmater and torm yeah, Tyr, Ilmater, and Torm. Thank you. I almost said Ilmater, but I thought it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they three are kind of conjoined into a triad, I think, is Wizards of the Coast stuff. Yep, it is 100%. And, um, and that came about solely because... Uh, I think I mentioned this before. Uh, Damas and Demi are an insert from a former campaign that ended shit it was really bad and me and thirsty were really into those characters and we had a lot of fun with them i'm like all right i'm going to give them some sort of an out so we'll insert characters loosely based around them um demi was never at all organized or in charge of anything she was not a good teacher and she always stayed one inch behind her brother just to piss him off uh vastly changed um so Mm -hmm. damas was a paladin of torm and that's why he's a paladin of Tom now. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring that in. And then we have like, I can keep that triad together. And then Casey sent a message like, I want to be part of Tyr. I'm like, this is even better. Yes, I can keep that triad together. So I can keep that as as a thing in here. And then when I was talking with Thirsty, when we were chatting, uh, I asked for his help on, all right, now I'm actually killing off more than one god. And this seems to be going somewhere. What order do you think we should kill gods off in? <laughs> and we sat down and chatted about it. And eventually we settled that, you know, at some point, the god of self-sacrifice sacrifice needs to die like that just has to be a thing and that's of the three that can't happen soon in the in the in the line of like um in the order of assassination because that's a really big god to take on very 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 early and kells and co may not necessarily have that power so that has to be a later on thing so i know quite a lot about the triad because i did a lot of research on them (laughs) and also did a fair amount of research on on Grimsh's role in that too and i was like nah this is bollocks i changed a lot of that um yeah i I understand it i understand especially from those of you who know the D &D, like monster manual pretty well um or creature manual or lore manuals very well um for example i know vampires are such a bone of contention (laughs) of what the Wizards of Coast say that these should be and what the stat blocks say this should be, what I think vampires are supposed to be. So you'll quite often note that when I come across creatures that are based on other ones, I don't necessarily say their name. Um, yeah. Because I, I can't. I, I don't. Try, I try not to mention that the Beholder was a Beholder like Gazer. It's a smaller version of a Beholder. It does this, that, and the other. But it allowed me to fuck with certain things. And it also, if you don't know any D&D at all, um, you're not suddenly like, what the hell is a Beholder? What does that look like? Um, because it forces me to describe it. So I try and avoid using names when possible. And if you decide this is a Demogorgon, then you've decided this is a Demogorgon, my friend. Um but just note that's probably what it might be called in our world, but that's uh, that may not be true. Yeah. Like, it, it's particulars may be slightly different. Classic monsters, like, and I'm talking vampires, things that are in, like, the the, the world law, like, our world law, like mm-hmm. vampires and werewolves and shite. I don't mess with them too much. <laughs> 
beyond the preconceptions because uh, um, you should be able to kill um what are they called werewolves with silver and it should mm-hmm. only be the three nights of the full moon like no don't transform in the middle of that i'm not messing with that shit <laughs> oh yeah 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 um no like uh, and, and this is exactly what i'm talking about like you're, you've painted a pretty easy picture for me to like kind of grab onto it is that it is the like oh uh to me werewolves are uh vulnerable to silver and dnt is like no, no no werewolves are also vulnerable to silver and all magic. Yeah, uh, it, 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 yep. it's basically just immune to normal weapons, and it's, you're like, uh, no, I don't know what not... the fuck that means to me. But yeah, yeah. Uh... So you just move on, and it leaves. Um, in this case, where there is a uh, real world lore, Wizard of the Coast lore, mm-hmm. and now a V lore. <laughs> uh, uh, it, leaves please. You, it leaves you with a little bit of a like, a, oh, okay, I have to kind of pick and choose and I have to listen to V and I have to try to figure out where V has decided to cut the Wizard of the Coast and cut the real world and make their own. The problem comes when you have things that are inherently Wizard of Coast, like completely and utterly made by them. Also, I could fuck with it if I don't tell you what it is. And it also kind of, to yeah. me, at least helps that... Um... To me, at least, it helps that meta balance that players mm-hmm. have to do. Like, I know yeah. all about this creature and I could hear you getting more and more annoyed because you'd forget out what this creature was. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> but you then didn't have to bounce around the information that you know because you know that I fuck with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. And I think that's a perfectly fine way to uh, place to end it off. See, uh, for I don't this know record. if it is because I have some other things. Oh, sh- shoot. Uh, I make reference to uh, that because he talks, uh, Laffin tries to taste the potion and figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And this was a very new thing to me. I'm like, this is a thing in d d Yeah, sure. Great. Sounds like a thing in d d Sure. Fuck it. Go for it. Sounds sounds legit. I'm, I mean, I'm all over it. Um, and then I was trying to describe the taste of it. And I think I described it as uh, when you accidentally put salt in your cereal. And that had happened to me a couple of weeks before this recording, which is why I would remembered it. Um, and listening back to this episode, I'm like, yeah, now I remember why I said that. That was gross. Uh, it was a lot of salt and it was really grim. <laughs> How much sugar do you put on your cereal? Uh, well, I was like, oh, this sugar's a bit fine and normal. I'll just put a little bit more on <laughs> Oh, did I get powdered sugar? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, it was my dumb fault. I was really tired. I usually am in the morning. So yeah, there was that. Um, do la 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 la. Uh, I mentioned at this point that um, the being held here has many names. Um, he doesn't mm-hmm. know them exactly because that was the intent. Um, each artifact has a different name associated it in a different language. Um, all of Kelsey's does too. And I wanted the Guardian to drop that piece of information as we're going forward. So if they were looking around like, why doesn't it say Shade Slayer on all of these things? Because everybody's language is different and beautiful. Um Beautifulish. Uh and claws. I'm gonna talk about claws. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh please um so, regale me. The origin of claws. Claws oh, no. OG. So I used to run uh, a post-apocalypse game with my buddies back in the UK, and there were nine of us that played regularly, um, which was fun, a nightmare, and we did it for an entire year and it was amazing. Um the finale was set in um in an underground station, subway for y'all Americans out there. Um and they went into a thing and they went in there and they found this room and this room had these kind of strange alien creatures in it and then they continued on with the rest of their stuff. Uh, that became the lamp in a fantasy setting. 
Um, I changed the story massively, but the layouts in my brain of the lamp and of that underground station are 100% identical. You walk into this big room, you walk in a corridor, you turn right or you turn left. On the left hand, straight ahead of you, there is like this big ass room and it's filled with cages and it has the alien creatures in it. In this case, in the fantasy world, in the lamp, which I've run a lot, there are cages and there are owlbears in them. Um, And I love pretending to be an owlbear. (laughs) I love that physicality because I used to run the lamp a lot um, physically, uh, sorry, in in the real world. Um, And obviously the subway game that I played was also in the real world. And I love doing those motions. I love like leaning over the table and roaring at people like I do the whole fucking thing. Um, So that's why Claws is here because I had run the lamp recently and I really love doing that stupid shit. Um, So yeah, that's why Claws is in this game solely because of a game which wasn't even in the same setting that became slightly D and I'm like, oh, I can't put an owl bear in there. That's too obvious right now. I'll just make it a bear. <laughs> so you you say that, uh, <laughs> but I, I do believe that you have painted yourself into a very sad corner. Why? I, I think I made a joke about it uh, very early on in the game. Oh, why not an owl bear? <laughs> and you said you haven't earned the owl bear. <laughs> yes. And it is now far <laughs> too late to give us an is owl it, bear. Is it? Um, yeah, they're like chance rating six and we're level 15. Well, who says you have to fight the owlbear? I was trying to kill everything in my world. <laughs> if you put an owlbear in front of me, I'm killing it because of my preconceived notion as a player uh, that owlbears are the most ferocious and angry magical being out there. Oh, yeah. Second only to the beholder, but the, the beholder at least has an intelligence. Yeah, the, the owlbear that I inserted into the fantasy game, into the lamp, uh, has a mama bear. Um, so as soon as you find baby owlbear, which most people end up calling hoots or hootsie or something like that, and it's adorable. As soon as they interact with the baby bear, that's it. Mama bear comes up and that's actually the threat. Um, so yeah, they are they are vicious, vicious dicks. Um, but you could try and fight, uh, fight a cute baby owlbear if you want to, Acel. That's entirely up to you. I, I will kill anything you put in my path. I don't trust you anymore. You put a spoon on the floor, and I'm going to detect evil on that shit. Oh right, okay. I'm writing into my notes, owlbear. Like I have to somehow bring this up. Um, anyway, um, so that was claws. Um, mm-hmm. And the statue, um, the statue that is in the fountain, I believe it is. Um, oh, yeah, the three people. Um, that's right. Sorry, yeah, I skipped over that because you kind of, like, explained the god. kind of answered my, it, yeah. <laughs> my brain kind of like, yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. So in the, um, the, the opening hole, uh, there was a fountain. Uh, you had a statue of a female elf and a slain dwarf, but you also had uh, three people just kind of standing together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the description was uh, one is a fighter, one is tall and wearing a cloak, uh, their face mostly hidden, and one is a female elf. Yep. So I had a uh, short, fighty male dude um, who is Tempus. Um, there is a tall, cloaked person, and that is Miracle. And then you have the serene-looking elven woman, which is uh, Sylvanas in our world, whose face I... can only be described as serene. That's the yes. phrase you use. Yes, uh, I wanted there to be uh, like, so originally looking through it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to look through all this stuff and I'm going to figure out like which gods uh, make sense in this. And obviously I came across like uh, Tempest and I thought that makes sense. Uh, I come across Miracle. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then I come across Sylvanas and that makes perfect sense. And I was like, I can't have three dudes do this. And Savras, who is also a dude. Fuck this. I, I need some I need some women in my life. Uh, I love me women. Female representation. No, I just love me women. Like, 
you look at a dude and like, yeah, I look at women like, fuck yeah. So I, I need some more women in my life. Um, so I decided that Sylvanas was going to become female and that was an option for them. Um, if, however, throughout the game, like, end up being that they interact more with them and, you know, someone brought up the male thing, they could be either. It's their choice. Um, but at this point, I think I had already decided that Miracle was a deity of death and not a god or a goddess. Um, because yeah. I was like, I think I mentioned this quite a bit, uh, death. I think, in my opinion, is non-binary. <laughs> like, I don't think it should matter. <laughs> I don't know. It seems to come after us dudes pretty harshly, so... Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, we're I really... doing dumb shit, inviting the danger home, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally really love the idea that if women bring you into this world, women should take you out. And I think that, like, gender... I'd, and I don't know where I read that. I don't know where I read that death should be a woman. And I, I'm so annoyed because I can't find the source of it. Um, but I really like that idea. Um, however, as I was developing this, like, whole story and working on the original triad, working on, like, the four gods who are actually responsible for breaking apart those I was like I I can't have this I can't have this like mix of stuff I I think I have to take away from what I think and I think I need to make like miracle yeah. non-binary I think I need to make them an MB so that's that's why they became what they are um, I think I do a good job at staying with it uh, we will tell when we hit episode 9 um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll find out when we listen <laughs> alright do you have any other notes? Uh, only that everybody going off in their own direction at the same time was a nightmare. <laughs> oh, I thought that would have been a boon because then you didn't have to worry about all three of them touching the same thing at the same time. Uh, yeah, but it's just a pain in the dick. Uh, splitting the party is never great as a GM because you're trying to figure out who the fuck to focus on in and what order, even if they do happen all at the same time. Um, no, it was fine. We figured it out. We, we had everything together. Um, yeah, um. I think that's it for me, I think. All right. Uh, Then I'll just, I guess, jump into the outro. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode eight. Uh, Episode nine should come out in about a month's time, uh, depending on our schedules allowing. Uh, If not... uh, Soon. Sorry, it's it, it will come out soon. Yeah, TM, soon. 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 Uh, if you enjoyed Beyond the Eclipse, consider becoming a patron. Uh, we have patron goals for more Beyond the Eclipse, and mm-hmm. eventually they will become monthly if we hit high enough numbers to uh, to excuse it. Excuse it? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, so every, I think, 10, 15, or 20 patrons, we're going to do another set of Beyond the mm-hmm. Eclipse, which are two episodes. Uh, so that's kind of the plan for that. And at some point when we think the amount of patrons to amount of Beyond the Eclipse is ridiculous, then we'll probably just keep doing it. Yeah. At least um, at least until I'm like I genuinely have enough of this like weirdness. This is so strange to me. Um but y'all seem to enjoy it question mark. Uh yeah. so go ahead. And also if you have any like um specific questions for episode 9 or for episode 10, shoot a message to Athel. You can do it on mm-hmm. Twitter. You can do it on the Discord. You can email us uh at theluggydivepodcast.com. You can do all of those cool things. Um yeah, so if we get to a good amount, then we'll probably keep doing this until I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm losing my mind. Um, uh, yeah, feel free to send me the message anywhere you can uh, or even into the email, theluckydiepodcast.gmail.com. Uh, I'll sort it out and grab it myself. Um, if you want to listen to more TLD stuff, we have a YouTube, we have a Lipsyn, we have all the good things. You can listen to all of it everywhere. Um, I don't think there's anything really else to shout out. So uh, I think... I- 
don't think so. Um, I think that's mostly it. Um, just go yeah. listen to some cool shows and leave reviews for them. Not just us, yeah. but everyone. It helps everyone. Go go ahead, do it, please. Uh, next episode will probably be post-Christmas, so I guess it's just happy holidays and have a fantastic week and month. Yep. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.